It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live on this Monday afternoon. The phone number is 201-939-4513. I'm Schmelk Meadow Detino with you, taking your calls and your tweets as well at hashtag Giants Chat. Well, the Giants fall to the Los Angeles Rams 38-11 at MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Mr. Meadow, Mr. Detino, good afternoon. Hey, John. Hey, How are we doing? We're doing okay. Um, wish the Giants were doing better, obviously, and I'm sure the fans feel the same way, so we'll get to your call, calls early and often today. We know you guys are not happy. We understand. Uh, no one in the building is happy either, guys, after a second straight game where by the time you get to the you know second half, the Giants you know really not in it, unfortunately. And the sad thing about it, and I wrote about this for, for Cover 3 today, is that the first quarter the team played pretty well. You know, I think they used the formula from last season on defense. They covered pretty well. The interior defensive line, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, got a couple of sacks. They got the Rams off the field. The Giants' first drive, they drive right down the field. Now another red zone failure, which is what, what you don't want to see. But they do drive down, get three points. And then, really, everything just falls apart. And I'll just talk about a couple of 20,000-foot things. If you guys want to touch on specific moments in the game, and I'm sure the callers do too, we can do that. Guys, here's the bottom line for me. What's making the difference this year, and I think this game was a good microcosm of it, the Giants have given up too many big plays. Bob Papa had this stat on the game last night. Last year, the Giants gave up 10 pass plays of 30-plus yards all year. They've already given up seven this year, two yesterday against the Rams. The Giants are simply, despite those two sacks early in the game, they're not putting nearly enough pressure on opposing quarterbacks. The Giants have the next-to-last highest pressure rate in the league at just 27%. It's hard to win games doing that. And until those two things change defensively, if you can't get pressure and you give up a lot of big plays, guess what? You're not going to win a lot of football games. And throw in the fact that the Giants' offense now is just the walking wounded. They lose Kadarius Toney, who was three catches on the opening drive. He comes out. Then you're throwing, and this is not an insult to the guys, but, you know, it's the reason these guys were not on the, the 53 to start the year. You know, Dante Pettis, Colin Johnson, no Darius Slayton, no Kenny Galladay, then no Kadarius Tony. You lose Andrew Thomas. You have backup left guards trying to bat, trying to block Aaron Donald, who just was a one-man wrecking crew the whole game. And you put all that together, and that's how you get to 38-11. Paul, you're up next. <laughs> John, you pretty much sized it up. You know, I think the things that we talked about on the, on the MSG postgame show, and I'll, I'll just briefly capsulize three points, very simply put. Uh, you mentioned the opening drive. You see, I kind of thought the opening drive was a little more of a negative than I wanted it to be because when you go 73 yards in 14 plays and have to settle for three, that's a problem. Well, but, but Paul, given the fact they only had one first down in the whole second quarter, I'll take a 73-yard drive for a field goal. Okay. <laughs> Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's all in the perspective, John. Absolutely. Okay. I hear you, man. Uh, What bothered me was they get into the red zone. They get the third and one conversion, okay, and you're saying to yourself, all right, Jones scrambled for it. All right. uh, Looks all right. Uh, On the sneak, I should say. And then on first down, screen pass pass to Sterling Shepard falls to the ground. It's a drop right in his hands. It's a flat-out drop, Mm -hmm. okay? 
And, you know, it's gotten to the point where so many things have sabotaged this team that every time something like that happens, I put a little mark next to my notes. And I'm like, that's going to come back at some point in time to bite them. Well, it turned out by the end of the first half, I had about six or seven of those marks on my pad. Not what you want. No. Uh, I would love to have had this be a four-point game in the fourth quarter or or a three-point game in the fourth quarter. And I could say, John, that missed opportunity when they had to settle for three on the opening drive, that was a critical point in the game because they really needed to go in there and get seven. But that's not what happened because too many other things went awry during the second quarter. All right, that was the first point. The second point we talked about, and I thought it was rather interesting, when, again, you look at the late stages of the second quarter. The Giants just seem to have this horrible problem at the end of the first half uh, of getting their, their act together. Now, look, I get it. There was a, a, um, a turnover, which, you know, gave them a short field. Okay. There were two of them, actually. Yeah, well, there was this. I'm, I'm going later, though. I'm not going to the turnover with nine minutes left, Lance. I'm talking about the last five minutes of the quarter. Okay? You get the interception. Uh, which leads to the short field touchdown, and then you get the 68-yard drive. Uh, I'm sorry, 68, was it? No, it was 73 yards. 73-yard drive at a minute and a half, six plays. A 14-3 game, which is still manageable at that point, becomes 28-3 thanks to the final five minutes of the first half. That, to me, you, you, you know, you heard of that NFL term red zone, to me, the last five minutes of the first half in every Giants game is a danger zone. Yeah, and by the way, Lance, I'm sorry. I, I will let you go, I promise. I want to throw one other play out there that I, that I have circled on my play-by-play. I went through most of the tape this morning. I, I didn't get to the Giants in the fourth quarter on offense, which I, you know, I don't know, really know is necessary, but I'll watch it. You know, it's 3 nothing Giants, Lance, and the Rams gained 22 yards on a run but they get called for an illegal block above the waist in the back, right? It's first and 16. Then they get a delay a game. It's first and 21. So the Rams have it first and 21 on their own 23-yard line, trailing 3 nothing. You figure the Giants are in a great spot here, right? Great spot. Five plays later, the Rams are in the end zone, 77 yards down the field for the touchdown. They went from first and 21 at their own 23, five plays, 77 yards, touchdown. And that just started the avalanche, and there was no stopping it. Anyway, Lance, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, they had big chunk plays on that drive to overcome that, especially the Cooper Cup 28-yard reception when he was wide open down the right side of the field. And it was a perfectly placed ball by Matt Stafford. And then after that, Higby for 10. Sony Michelle runs for 15. And then all of a sudden, you pass it to Robert Woods over the middle. Robert Woods was so surprised, he turned around. He realized there was nobody in his vicinity, and he walked right into the end zone. So it's another example of, similar to what Paul was talking about, once one thing goes wrong, it just all of a sudden spikes, and they can't overcome it. That, to me, has been a big storyline going back to even last season. Because if you go through... The nine possessions that followed that first possession of the game in which the Giants scored no points and were plagued by turnovers, if you go through every one of their offensive possessions, you had a false start, you had a sack, 
which backed you up to a third and long eventually. And this team right now, you're not converting third and 15s and third and 18s and third and 19s at a very high rate when you take into consideration the fact that they don't have a lot of their talent on offense. So you're basically putting yourself in a killer situation. But in addition to the first and 21, allowing the Rams to get out of that, I mean, I want to emphasize even the earlier turnover that gave the Rams great field position much sooner than what Paul was talking about because you told the Rams to go 12 yards and 14 yards to score a touchdown. You put any team in that position in the National Football League, more often than not, especially with the way your defense is going to play, they're going to take advantage of that. And that, to me, was the killer. The fact that the offense, as bad as the defense was playing, the offense did not do them any favors yesterday because they pretty much laid out the red carpet treatment for the Rams offense to fully take advantage of that. And that, to me, was the true backbreaker. A 14-3 to game got completely out of hand because of the turnovers and they dug themselves so early in a hole that you figured by the time halftime rolled around, it was going to take an absolute miracle for them to come up with an opportunity to get back in the game because you knew your defense wasn't going to make enough stops, and you knew your offense had been up and down, so who else exactly are you going to turn to? What are you going to hope for, a special teams mishap? And the only reason why by the fact that the Rams screwed up the fake punt where Johnny Hecker threw the pass was because you had offsetting penalties, which was very rare, by the way, because of unsportsmanlike conduct, because a bunch of guys came off of the sideline. So, you know, that's what it took to stall another Rams drive. I mean, just think about the circumstances that it took to slow down LA's offense yesterday. Very rare occurrences. Yeah. Look, and, and, and if you're in a situation where your defense can't get stops, you give them short fields, that's not going to help. You know, the Rams found some matchups they liked over the course of the game. You know, the Giants need to figure out what they're doing in the slot here. They tried to, you know, Jabril Peppers in there in this game, and Cooper Cup ate him, ate him for breakfast. So, you know, there's just not a lot of answers right now. And, you know, you can't pinpoint one or two things where, you know, things are going particularly well. And they're going to have to try to sort this stuff up. Now, I will say this, they have a, a much less talented opponent. Coming in in Carolina next week, you know, they're not Dallas, they're not the Rams. But if they turn the ball over and the Panthers' pass rush is very strong, they blitz the second most, you know, frequently in the league, you know, they, it, they have to figure these things out, and especially the turnovers, which hadn't popped up yet this year, in, in order to try to get back on the winning ledger here. Because you just – you have to just make more plays and allow fewer big plays and – you got to get some of these guys back on offense. There just aren't any easy answers here, and I, I wish I had some. I, I just don't at this point, guys. I, I, I just don't. Carolina, by the way, could have Stephon Gilmore ready to go to next week. Yep. So that's you know, another guy. He was on you're, pup. You're looking at a team that is in a very, very deep hole, and on top of that, they're shorthanded, and you honestly don't know how many of their best players, their big play guys, are going to be back anytime soon. And that, that just really creates a tremendous amount of problems. I will, I will say one thing, though, uh, John. You know, in the first quarter, you, you mentioned 3 nothing. okay? And, yeah, it, it starts off pretty well. But, again, you know, Coach likes to talk about complimentary football. Well, look at what happened in that first quarter. The Giants got two consecutive third-down sacks to force the Rams to punt. And what did the offense do with the ball on those ensuing possessions? Nothing. Yeah. Their most successful defensive series 
came early in the game, back-to-back. Defense is starting off fast. They're doing what they have to do. Yep. They held the Rams totally at bay. And that's where the offense has to play complementary football and say, okay, we're going to do damage here. We're going to jump out to a lead. We're going to give the defense a little bit of breathing room. And instead, you get a drop pass where they settle for a field goal, and then you get a bunch of nondescript drives, which result in zero points and gives the ball back to the Rams so that they can get the oil on their engine and they get they get the pedal to the metal, and all of a sudden you're in deep trouble. Well, look, they had a fourth and one and a third and one. You have to convert those. You have to convert those. Well, I'll tell you one thing, John. I I, I have to tell you. I was with Howard Cross. He was on the instant reaction that's on the huddle. Howard said he was on that line of scrimmage. Jones got that first down. I watched it on tape this morning. I don't think he did. You I think don't. I think he was just because I th- live I thought he had two. I thought he got it myself from the but box. Watching it this morning, I don't think the ball ever hit what was it the forty two yard line. I don't think the ball ever yeah. got to the forty two. It was close, but I don't think it did. To be honest with you, I, I I really don't. Well, let's put it this way: the Giants did not review it. I don't know. I don't think why. there was enough evidence to overturn. Well, is that since that technically is a turnover on downs? Isn't that an automatic booth review? I, I believe they looked at it during the timeout. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, right, right. I don't, so, I, I mean, they yeah, didn't overturn I don't, it. I don't, I don't yeah. know because I never heard any explanation. But, you know, having well, said that. Well, but I don't that, even know if they owe an explanation for something like that. I just think that's natural review by New yes, York. No, and correct. then if there's a change, they'll announce it. If not, there's, there wasn't anything controversial, Paul, on that play to explain. The refs ruled he was short. Turnover on downs, Rams come out. During the commercial break, maybe you take another look at it just to confirm. Well, and, and, and just to confirm what, what you're saying, Lance, the referee in the stadium never went under the hood. So New York never even got to the point where they're like, or the replay official upstairs, to be more specific, never actually called down and said, yo, we need to take another look at this. That's my problem. So, yeah. well, I mean, if it was— Well, because maybe they upstairs, looked at right, it and exactly. then it didn't justify telling the ref to come over and look at it. Right. Maybe, is what maybe, I'm they, maybe they felt that way. I, I just yeah. know that on initial inspection— from watching the game, I thought it was a first down. I know Howard was on the field. He thought it was a first down, but let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> That's one of about 50 things that went wrong in this game for the Giants. Well, but what you're also saying, Paul, is it's pretty much the equivalent of what happened early in the Dallas game where you had the two takeaways and the offense didn't capitalize. So it's really no different. You had now two opportunities where your defense got the Rams off the field. Your offense put together some positive yardage and some lengthy drives, and you have really not much of anything to show for it. So, you know, it almost goes back to what I keep harping about time of possession. You could tell me all you want about your march down the field against the opposition. You did that two times. You had three points to show for it against an offense that averages 28 points a game. How exactly is that putting you in a better position to win a football game? It's just adding up clock, but it's all about what you do with it. So, I mean, those are two things that, to me, have taken place in the last two games. You had takeaways, you didn't capitalize, you didn't take advantage, and here, you didn't have takeaways, you just had lengthy drives, but you didn't finish. So, to me, they're pretty much very similar. They're just falling under two different categories. All right, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. I said we'll get to your calls early. I do not tell lies, so we will get to you right now, but first... Just to remind everybody that the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated or are at greater risk from COVID-19, protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, uh, one, two, three in order, Pearson. Jason in New Haven will lead us off. Jason, what's going on? 
Hi, how you guys doing? What's up? Could be Hi, better, Jason. Right. What's up? <laughs> yeah, we all could be better. But um, I just have a question. I know this is pretty – this is going to be a hard question to answer, or maybe it's not. You guys are in the industry, football. You guys have been around the Giants. How – how have we fallen so far? I know that's kind of a hard general question, and I'm a fan, of course, so I'm coming from a fan's perspective. But I mean, these last few years, man. I mean, we I think we all had pretty high hopes of this year. Not saying that we, we was going to win the Super Bowl, but I think all of us pretty expected from our roster that we was going to make the playoffs. Now, I know injuries happen. Injuries are a big part of football. I, I'm not naive to that point, but. I mean, just how have we how have we fallen so far? I mean, I, I looked at some of the to me how I look at it right now, and I'm gonna try to keep it quick. And I'm not putting this all on Mara, so please forgive me. I'm not trying to put this all at one person's feet because it's been a failure from top to bottom in the last maybe ten years. But it just seems like we just kind of lost our our. our I don't like if somebody was to ask me what is a Giants team, what do we do well? I don't know how to answer that. I don't know, you know, before we could say, you know what, our front seven, our front four is is just they're hard to block. I mean, once once we get our four pass rushes across the line, it's pretty much a wrap for that quarterback or, you know, we have Jacobs and Bradshaw, we're gonna run it down your throat forty times and I don't really know what what we are. And like I said, I know it's a hard question to ask, but Maybe you guys can kind of help me. Like, what what has gone what has gone wrong? It just it, it just seems like these other teams. When I watch Dallas and the Rams and Arizona, it just seems like they're so far ahead of us in terms of just execution and athletes and and I know every team has athletes, but coaching. It's just maybe, and I'll take it off the air. But maybe you guys could let me know kind of how you think we've. And I know you can't give a, just a general answer, but what do you what are you what have you seen so far that to say how we got to this point? And um, I'll take it off the air. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it, Jason. And no, you're right that that is not an easy question. Um, I look. I think if you go back to it, I, to me things always go back to the players, right? And you can have the best coaches in, in the universe, but if the players aren't executing the way you need them to, or or, or, or not. Good enough. I think that's when you run into, you know, consistent issues over the years. And I think, you know, you've been through different front offices, different general managers, different coaches and stuff like that. And, you know, they just I think you're running into situations here. And I think injuries are a part of it, too. You know, you are kind of in the early parts might be strong, but, you know, you just lost your future two time Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Fame quarterback, Eli Manning. You're trying to, you know, build back up after him. And. It's it's a very broad question, and we could spend three hours, I think, on the show dissecting everything that's gone wrong since 2013. I don't have that in front of me right now. (laughs) I can say about this year specifically, guys, and you guys can touch on the rest of Jason's question if you want. But, you know, for me, I just think the falling apart of the defense, and I think back to last year, you know, the the Seahawks game pushed aside, and I start to wonder, well, maybe – you know, part of the really good numbers and performances by the defense last year had more to do with the opponents they were playing than than maybe what we thought at the time, and that's our fault. You know, we focus on the opponents a lot here. Maybe we didn't do a good enough job of that. But, you know, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. But it's that broader question is, is, is a tough one to answer on a Monday in October. Well, 
I don't know if, Paul, if you want to go ahead, but what I was going to add, go John, ahead, is first Mike. of all, we, we had a conversation all offseason saying you can't take for granted that things carry over. Yep. I mean, how many times did we say that, John? We even did a show where we talked about you could be a top 10 defense one season and then all of a sudden fall off. So, I mean, I really don't think that's a shocking development. And I would, I would say we did emphasize the fact that the winning streak last season coincided with teams that were not playing very yeah, well. Yeah, we did. You're fair. We a did do that. quarterback. We I mean, I, I don't think that was hidden at all within the conversation. Now, you know, everybody may feel differently, but, you know, you look at this team last year, they started off 1-7, okay? Let, let's not forget about that. This team won six games last season. I, I feel like sometimes people tend to forget that, and we're acting like the team went from 10 wins to this. They won six games last season. They were far from a completed product at the end of 2020 where you just take the team, you add a few free agents and a new draft class, and then all of a sudden you come in, you take the six wins, you add four, and now they're a 10-win team. Life in the NFL doesn't work like that. The other thing in response to the caller, the Dallas Cowboys, how many head coaches have they had since 2010, 2011, if you want to go back to the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl? They've had two head coaches. The Rams have had a few more, but Sean McVay's been there going back to 17. And even Jeff Fisher was there 2012. So that's two head coaches. Cardinals, I don't think is a fair comparison, guys, because Arizona really just straightened out its issues. Yeah. Prior to that, they were not a team that was in contention for the playoffs. So the two teams that of the three that the last call of reference, my argument would be is you had far more stability than what the Giants have dealt with over the course of the last decade. So I don't really think that's surprising that you're looking at the level of execution on one side versus where the Giants have been. I'll let you go, Paul. No, I I have some other thoughts, but it would take three hours to deal with, and I don't <laughs> want to take it away from the callers. They need to voice their opinions, and they need to get out some hot air, so I'm going to let them do that. And I think that's, guys, I, I, I totally get why you want to have the conversation now. I think, you know, maybe the bye week, something like that, I think getting into a larger conversation, you know, we can. If you guys want to talk about that, 201-939-4513. Uh, let's go back to the phones and say what's up to Donnie in Queens. He's up next. Hey, Donnie. Hey, thanks for taking my call. What's going on? Uh, I think not even calling about tomorrow's game. This is really just more of a suggestion for uh, Mr. Matter, Mr. Tish. They, they need to cancel and postpone Strahan's ceremony. He deserves better than a late November game that is going to be half empty if they're lucky, and half of that half empty if they're lucky will be Eagles fans. I mean, I was at the, the game for Eli. I was at the game yesterday. I've, I've got season tickets. Frankly, I, I gave away my tickets to the Eagle game this morning to a friend of mine who's an Eagle fan. Um, the, the fans are not in the mood right now for nostalgia and relics from the past. It's just it's, it's unfair to the people we're trying to honor. I would, I would really recommend to the Giants to postpone that to next season where – Maybe with some better spirits at the game. And I appreciate the work you guys do. It can't be easy over the last years dealing with just the angry fans every week. And uh, you, you guys kind of take the brunt of it because we have nowhere else to voice our displeasure. So keep up the good work. There's always going to be better days and better seasons ahead. And uh, we'll check in with you guys next season. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Lance, you got anything on me there for me there? No? No, I really don't think there's anything to add. <laughs> With respect to that. And by it's, the way. It's nice that somebody recognizes we, we, we take a pounding because we certainly do. And by, I, will, I, 
I will say this too. I don't think Eagles fans are like running around trying to buy tickets at this point in their season either. To be quite honest with you, it's not like the, Lance. What's the Eagles' records off? I don't have the standings in front of me. They've one win, right? Do the Eagles have one or two? Let's see. Philadelphia well, they, lost they might to Tampa they Bay. Let me just double check because it's all a blur. They're two and four. They're two yeah, and they four. They got two mm-hmm. wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. If they're going to be running to buy up tickets on November twenty eighth either. To be quite honest with you, two zero one nine three nine four five one three two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Dominic in New Jersey. He's up next. Dominic, what's going on? Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Dominic, Hi. Dominic, right. uh, do you mind getting off your speakerphone for me? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. I hope he's not driving, John. <laughs> uh, that that sounds more like a restaurant to me, not really a there car. There you go. You there? Yeah, okay. now we got you, Dominic. What's up? Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. Very, very hard right now being a Giants fan, especially I live in uh, Eagles country, and they they don't even give me the pounding I deserve usually for as bad as we're playing because they're not doing so good themselves. But, you know, they still like to get their kicks and digs in. Not fun. Yesterday was really hurtful, and I, I I don't turn off the game usually. I had to turn off the game. I couldn't take it no more. It was really, it's really bad. My son even he my son doesn't watch Giants games no more because they're doing that bad. And he's a thirteen year old boy who loves football. We uh, we we understand where you guys are coming from. It was you know the Rams pulling their guys off the field in the second half, and we get it. We get it. And can you guys tell me why Daniel Jones doesn't get pulled like around third end of the third quarter, maybe just to kind of reduce anything from happening to him any further? Because I really think he's our future, and seeing them leave him in there to get beat down like that by with the offensive line playing the way they are, I just didn't quite get all that. John, maybe I should take this yeah, one. Go ahead, please. I think there are two sides to the coin on this, and and I think both of them have merit. And I want to make that very clear because I don't think there's a wrong answer, only because of the specific circumstances that we're talking about. Um, on one side, you say to yourself, well, look, the Giants are in a huge hole here. It's not likely in the fourth quarter they're going to come out of it. So you start thinking once you get to that fourth quarter uh, that it's going to be time to take him out. There's absolutely merit in, in thinking that, and I'm sure a lot of people thought that. The other side of the coin says, well, listen, this has been a horrific afternoon. Nothing has really gone right whatsoever. Is there any chance that we can get a feel-good moment somehow out of the fourth quarter, put together a good drive or two, get into the end zone, and try to give the players something to latch on to, something that they can chew on after basically getting hammered by the Los Angeles Rams? And, and can you give them that one little piece of candy that they might be able to latch on to Monday morning as they lick their wounds and try to get up and start preparing for the Carolina Panthers? And by the, the way, Paul, just, just I just want to back it up here because I mentioned something to this to Carl in the fourth quarter at a commercial break, and he and I were both on opposite sides of this too. So there are two points of view that are oh, there's no question. absolutely valid. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not taking a stance here. I'm, I'm simply giving both sides of the coin. Anybody out there who's listening, please, you can take whatever side of the coin you want. You're not wrong. And that's really the point that I'm trying to make. The, 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 the second side has another part to it. And that is this. You're Joe Judge, and you've been preaching your entire tenure since you first walked into the Giants press conference as a head coach that you're going to fight for 60 minutes. 
and you're going to go all the way to the end and give everything you've got for the entire game. Well, if you pull your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, well, that does not send a great message. It's not very, uh, it's not showing continuity with the message that you have tried to preach, which says we're going to go at it and we're going to fight you and we're going to give everything we've got for a full 60 minutes. It kind of leaves him open into a second guess and a, I, I don't want to say leaving a hole in his mantra, but it kind of does. And so I understand if you wanted to use that rationale, why you would want Jones to finish the game. So to me, neither one of these things are wrong, John. And and by the way, and Lance, I'm sure you're going to go here, so I'll try to tee up. That's exactly what Joe Judge said after the game when he was asked about it. Well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily going to go there. I I do remember him (laughs) reflecting. Yeah, where I was actually going to go. No, I was actually looking at it more from a football perspective, X's and O's. Considering so many guys have been out of the lineup, I actually would argue if Galladay's not coming back, you don't know next week, and a few of these other guys, Saquon, obviously. I don't think it hurts considering how many first-team reps is Daniel Jones getting with Dante Pettis and Colin Johnson and Devontae Booker. So I look at it as use the second half to try to gain some chemistry, especially if you're taking this unit into next weekend's game and you don't know what the practice reps are going to look like. It doesn't hurt to get some real live reps in a game, regardless of whether the Rams pulled some guys by that time. You don't want to feel as if every single week it's this revolving door of personnel. I mean, think about this. Guys, they had the six different offensive line combination in as many weeks yesterday. So I would look at it more of... Daniel Jones getting work with some of the talent that may be around him next week. That's how I would at least try to digest it if I was Joe Judge, on top of the fact of what the two of you had said yeah, previously. And, I, I, and I'll just add what, what Joe Judge said in his postgame presser then. He basically said, look, at halftime, he, his big speech to the guys is that, you know, the second half's going to show who's here to fight, who cares, who's going to try hard despite the fact we're down 28-3. to three. And my gather, I gather that he feels like that if he pulls the quarterback at that point, he's sending the signal to the guys that he's stopped fighting, right? If you take the best players off the field. So I think given his message at halftime, trying to you know make that point with his team, that it probably wouldn't have been appropriate to take Jones off the field in that situation. But to Paul's point, there are definitely two sides to the coin. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I can agree with you, but, as the second uh, part of it all, I, I don't want to see that guy get hurt again. We nobody we does. We're losing all our players. Yeah, no, believe me, nobody wants, wants to, to either, see Daniel yeah. Jones get beaten up. Trust me, nobody wants that to happen. So, I, I understand why you would take the the other side of that coin because there is no wrong answer. All right, let's go to Dylan in New York. He's up next. Hey, Dylan. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? We're good, Dylan. What's up? Doing all right. Uh, I just got a, a few points, and then I have uh, a question towards the end. Um, obviously, I think the biggest concern right now that the Giants' offense and mostly just the entire team's had the last few years is that offensive line. And we've seen this year that the injuries definitely don't help, um, you know, at that left guard position. But um, the one thing I wanted to bring up from yesterday's game, which I was a little surprised with, was when Thomas went out. In a way, I kept asking myself. You know, would they switch Solder to left tackle and put Parrott at right tackle since that was the the way they played against Dallas? But it seemed like Matt Parrott kind of played better and he looked more comfortable at right tackle and since he's never really started at left. And 
with Solder being the veteran at left tackle. Um, I was just kind of surprised that that kind of switch wasn't made. Um, but as far as the, the offensive line, yeah, honestly, uh, honestly, honestly, really fast, I'll, I'll answer that part of your question first. My guess, and he was not asked this question post-game, so this is just a, a presupposition on my part, that he probably did not love how Nate Solder played at left tackle last week, and he struggled against Randy Gregory, and my guess is that he thought maybe Paird, who played well last week in, in time, might do better out there. Remember, Paird did start two years at left tackle at UConn. So that's, that's my guess. Um, it, it didn't go that well for, for, for Matt at left tackle. You give a couple of those sacks over the course of the game. So I'm not sure there's a, a right answer there either, but, but my guess is that that is what the calculation is, is for that. Gotcha. And, uh, and I guess the, the most frustrating part, I guess, as a Giants fan, when you, when you look at the offensive line being addressed, is it seemed like, I guess, in my opinion, that this past draft was one, was a very deep draft as far as interior offensive linemen-wise, maybe even tackles. And it just it was very surprising that not one selection was a offensive lineman. I was actually surprised when they traded up. I forget what round it was when Robinson was selected. But in a way, I, I thought that maybe that, that was, was the third round. Yeah. Wyatt. Yeah, I thought maybe that was like a Wyatt Davis selection coming, you know, something with because he was still on the board. So um, I guess that's just kind of one of the, the frustrating parts when you look at the offseason. They bring in, you know, Billy Price, Ben Bredesen, even Wes Martin late in the season. And I know at least with the offensive line, it takes a lot of time to just create that cohesion and chemistry and understand each other's tendencies. And especially when we see these guys getting swapped in and out. It just seems like it's kind of a, a counterpart to these guys understanding each other and just being able to build off each other and well, build, just like I said, that cohesion. Well, Dylan, it certainly wasn't part of the plan to have all those guys slip it in at left guard. I mean, if they had their druthers, they would have brought back the same five from last year, you know, depending on if it was sold or paired over there at right tackle. And Lemieux would have been the full-time left guard. The reason they had to bring in the Bredesen and the Gates and stuff like that is because they had a couple of retirements in the offseason. Shane Lemieux gets hurt. He's out, you know, they figured out he's going to be out for the year, or at least for a long period of time. So that's why they had to bring in those other guys. And they felt their investments last year in the draft, their first and third round picks. Andrew Thomas, who I think is living up to that first round pedigree this year, and Matt Parrott, who was a third round pick, will be ready to take over on those spots at tackle. Um, I think once you traded out of that first-round pick, I don't think even where they picked Kadarius Toney, there was probably an offensive lineman worth that selection. You know, Slater and Darasaw, those guys were all off the board. You know, maybe a Tevin Jenkins would have been the only guy to think about there. And then you got Ojolari. Pass rush was just as big of a need in the second round. And then, frankly, I thought once you got to the third round, there weren't, especially a tackle, um, a lot of really good options there. And, you know, you could have taken a guard if you wanted to in, in the third or fourth round, I suppose. But, remember, they had Will Hernandez in there as a second-round pick. And they had Shane Lemieux, who they used a fifth-round pick on the year before, who they thought was going to be in there and start. And they liked Nick Gates at center. So, look, obviously it's, it's easy to go back and second-guess that. And I know a lot of fans did first-guess it at the time. We took a lot of phone calls about that. There's no question about it. Um, you guys know how much I love Rashawn Slater. He was the guy I was targeting for basically three months leading up to the draft. But I – Admitted afterwards, and Paul, we had this conversation, right, that that's a trade you can't pass up to get, you know, the one the next year in mm -hmm. a trade like that. And I don't think anyone can argue with what Kadarius Tony. The value Tony, was too good, John. And I don't think anyone can argue with what Kadarius Tony has showed in the games where he's been healthy. So I see it. 
Yep. Yeah, that's the, I mean, like I said, those injuries definitely are a, a big part of that. And I just I just hope, you know, again, this, this offensive line just it starts to gel, whether it be, you know, just I think just seeing progress this year and then even once the season ends, just going into next year. And um, I just hope there's not, you know, cause we're going to see it with fans. But I hope there's just not too much criticism on um, Daniel Jones and his performance because I don't know, I, even put Matt, Patrick Mahomes behind that line yesterday, I don't know. If he gets out, you know, alive and looking well, so um, I sure thank well, you guys for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate the call. Hey, Lance, Lance, really quick, I want to add one thing because I think, and we talked about this a lot. The first four weeks, I thought the offensive line played pretty well, especially in pass protection. You know, you look at the pressure rate; it was down. The sacks are down. You know, and Daniel Jones played some of his best football in those first four games, right? Well. The last two weeks, I know people said, well, they didn't give up any sacks against Dallas. If you watch the first half of that game, Daniel Jones was under siege the entire first half of that game against Dallas. Randy Gregory was all over him. They were up in his grow in every third down passing situation. He did not play that well before he got hurt in the Dallas game. And then he obviously had his worst game of the year this year, this week against the Rams, when again, the pressure rate was well over 40% if you look at the numbers, and they had trouble blocking Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and then... Frankly, you know, the Ronk Rose of the world, the Terrell Lewis's of the world. And then, lo and behold, you know, who could believe it? In the two games where Daniel Jones gets pressured a lot, he doesn't play as well. It's amazing how that works, doesn't it? Go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you have to take the environment and even the weapons around the quarterback. You, you can't just look at the quarterback all alone yep. and hope that he can overcome all of those issues. I do think it's important to note that just because a team doesn't give up any sacks doesn't mean that there weren't some opportunities for the opponent to disrupt the game. I, I think we saw that even in the Saints game in the early portion of that contest as well as Dallas. What I was going to piggyback off of is the last caller was talking about you know hoping for more chemistry. I think if you ask the Giants' front office, they would have ideally liked to have seen a year where Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Will Hernandez, and whether it be Solder or Matt Paird, and let's go with Matt Paird because he's one of the guys they invested a draft pick out on the field for the bulk of the season, building chemistry, and then after this season, getting an idea of, okay, what do you like from this group? What still needs improvement? The problem is you're not going to get that answer because there's been so many movable parts. Now Andrew Thomas is hurt. Lemieux, you're not going to see it all. Gates is done for the season. That's two-fifths of your offensive line, you won't have any solidification in terms of their growth. So, you know, it's hard because how do you anticipate that? It's impossible to know how the injuries are going to drop. So even after this season with all the movable parts, I don't know if anybody, as they evaluate this offensive line, other than hopefully Andrew Thomas is going to be back on the field sooner rather than later, you'll be able to evaluate some of the individual pieces. I just don't know how much of a conclusion you're going to be able to take away, guys, from the unit as a whole because some of the players that are going to get starting reps this season, there's no guarantee they're in the long-term projections for this offensive line group. And by the way, I'll say this. I thought after he gave up, and I know Mrs. Lincoln House was the play, after he gave up that strip sack or in the game, I thought Solder actually did a pretty decent job at right tackle. I didn't think a lot of pressure came off of that side, to be quite honest with you, um, after that initial um, strip sack from, from Leonard Floyd on that play-action pass. I thought he did okay after that. I thought Will Hernandez was fine. But again, just like last week against Dallas, Paul, that left side of the offensive line had, had some struggles. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, Paul? No, John. no, there isn't. There isn't much more to say. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Uh, let's go to Stas in Washington. He's up next. Hey, Stas. 
Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, you guys are okay? Is everyone all right? I, mean, I spent last night apologizing to my kids for raising them Giants fans. Just, just saying. We're, 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 uh, we're doing okay, Stas. It'll get better. It always gets just, better. Just a couple of quick things, and then I want to like say something that's really been weighing on my mind as like, a fear for this team. But A, look, I still believe in Joe Judge. I'm not jumping off that shit. Um, I was told a long time ago the most easiest way to identify a leader is if there's people following him, and his team still follows him. Do I think there needs some things need to happen? Yeah, but I don't feel like he's lost the team. So I don't want I don't want to see Judge gone like so many people are calling for like a complete blow up. I did have a problem with DJ not being pulled after they scored a touchdown. I totally agree with what Paul said earlier that you know you wanted to take something positive out the game. Fine, once you score that drive, you get your two point conversion. At that point, I would have pulled him because there's nothing to win there, and it's okay to do that because even Tom Coughlin pulled Eli Manning from the game. And he was a rookie because he was just getting pummeled. And you just have to sometimes protect your franchise guy from themselves. Um, I think Leo Williams was out of line a little when he was talking about how the fans booing. I think he needs to understand that some fans save their money for three, four months in the offseason just to take their family to a game. And that's not the product they want to see. So a fan has a right to boo when you're delivering bad football year after year after year. I don't like it. I'm not a big advocate of it, but I don't really feel like a player should say anything, especially after the type of performance they saw. you got to understand where the fan is coming from. It's so bad that I don't know if you guys know this, but there is a weekly Twitter space that's hosted by content providers called Giant Therapy Sessions. And the, the amount of people, I'm talking about hundreds of people are on this Twitter space every Sunday just venting and sometimes Carl Banks joins. Uh, we had John Jalapio was on there. Like it's, it's the, the fan base is aching for just something good. And my biggest fear, I think what would take me over the edge. Hey, look, and Stas, by the way, Stas, by the way, Stas, really quickly. And everything you're saying about the fans, Joe Judge has repeated that in his postgame comments mm-hmm. before where you stop yes. fans from booing by playing better. And that's really all right. you can do. hundred percent. Right. And I, the one thing I'll tell you that I, that I do fear is I'm completely afraid of, somebody, of, of, of us blowing up this team again, right? Because I feel like we have some talented players, and nothing is going to pain me more to see Evan Ingram become an all-pro at another team or, or Daniel Jones become a top-five quarterback on another team. It, nothing is going to gut-wrench me more than if that gets blown up and then on another team with a scheme that fits these players these guys turn to be turn out to be exactly what we all hoped. That being said, I'm gonna take everything else off the air. That's it. I just needed a little uh, vent just to dump this on you guys. You deal with those emotions now. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, Stas. We're happy to be your own private therapy session. But look, let me just you know this this uh, this idea that you can just blow the team up this year. Like guys, it's not it's not that easy. You know, they just sign guys to big contracts. You know, I mean, this is not something where you can just flip the switch and say, all right, we're starting over. I mean, you can, if you want to do stuff like that and just, like, throw away a year, that's fine. But, you know, it, it, it's not so simple to just say do that. And then, you know, you're going to have to go through a whole nother tear down, then rebuild. And then you're five years in, you're having the same exact complaints and conversations again. And it's just not that easy. I'd be very surprised if that happens. As far as, you know, guys who are free agents, they may leave and go on to have success, the last caller's point. I mean, there are examples like that across the NFL. And 
part of that is because, you know, sometimes players just need a fresh start. They need a new voice. Yeah. They need a new environment. So, you know, I don't think that would be crazy if that happens. But as far as, you know, parting ways with seven or eight critical players on offense and defense, I'd be very surprised if a full blow-up occurs regardless of how this season finishes, mainly because of what you referred to, John, the salary cap implications. And once again, you know, you still have some youth on this roster. I would say it's very too early to bail on some of these young guys that are still at this point scratching the surface of what they could do. Yeah, and I'll just throw this out there, too, that, you know, you know, Lance, you make a really good point, and it's, it's just not... It's just not an easy thing to do. You know, you, people say, oh, you just go do this and do this, and that's fine. And, you know, salary cap's an issue. Sometimes you just can't afford to bring guys back. And decisions that you made in 2020 will impact the decisions you have to make on players in the free agency period of 2021. And you're right. Sometimes a guy does need a new thing of scenery. And if you do resign him yourself, maybe they're not going to have the success they would have somewhere else too. So 100%. Well, the other thing that I just wanted to add is, Regardless of any team in the National Football League, and there's always exceptions to this rule, guys, I get it, but the development of young players is, to me, what leads to the most continued success in the National Football League. When you draft the guys, you develop them, you build around them, you allow them to grow. Not many teams, unless you guys could come up with a bunch of examples, can say that they made big splashes for five or six straight off-seasons, and that helped level things out. Even if you look at the Rams, for example, who the Giants lost to, okay, Cooper Cup, draft pick. You look at Daryl Henderson, draft pick. Matt Stafford was the biggest splash. A bunch of their offensive linemen were drafted. Aaron Donald was drafted. Okay, yeah, they brought in Leonard Floyd. I get that. And once again, they made the trade for Matt Stafford. I'm not saying you shouldn't tap into that, but... The reason why they're at the level that they are yeah, and they Lance, maintain that. By the is, way, by, well, I don't mean to interrupt you, but who'd they trade for Matthew Stafford? Jared well, Gatt, who Goff. they drafted, and two future first round draft picks. So sure. it's still draft capital. Of course. So we're going to have to see whether or not that comes back to bite them. But I think they've done well enough with some of their previous draft picks and the development of some of their guys that that's at least been able to maintain stability is my point. No, absolutely. Now, to your point, John, five or six years later when we're having a conversation about the Rams, who knows? I mean, maybe they do fall off the cliff and they realize they couldn't sustain it. But I think as of right now, since McVay took over, how they've developed guys, schemed around them, I, I think that's what's led to their success as opposed to the Rams going out and, you know, bringing in a bunch of free agents. And once again, I understand Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Stafford, I'm acknowledging that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go after players like that, but the core of the roster is mainly because of what they've done through the draft and developing players. I think a little bit over half of their roster, if you look at their old 22, I think a little bit over half of their roster were, were draft picks. Well, I think that that supports then what I'm selling here and what I'm trying to emphasize. I'm just trying to help you out, Lance. No, I, I didn't look at it as a negative, Paul. I wasn't, I wasn't offended by what you said at all. Yeah. All I, mean, I was saying I, is we, I, we I, had, I mean, I didn't look no at the numbers on that this carefully. One. I was going off the top of my head. Yeah, we yeah. had no debate off of this one. I, I thought you made a good point. They, they, they've drafted well. 201-939-4513. Pete in Massachusetts up next. Hey, Pete, what's going on? Excellent, excellent, guys. I'm, I'm not dissing the Giants at all. And the previous callers, I'm not commenting on. But this is my take. Just go with it. What if, you know, if Daniel Jones doesn't overthrow 
Saquon in that Cowboy game. It's a different game. I'm sorry because Saquon wouldn't have got his leg stepped, his foot stepped on. He may have broke 10 yards. He probably would have broke for a touchdown looking, looking at the, the route. Yesterday. No, Pete, 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 you're right. I don't disagree yeah. with that offensively. Well, I, 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 I still don't see how the Giants defense ever gets a stop in a big spot in that game when they need it. You know what I'm saying? Because Giants defense is playing. You guys made a, you guys said it before. The Giants defense is playing good in the beginning of the game. They're giving the opportunities to the offense. But the key thing is they haven't had anybody healthy on the offense the whole season altogether. I think in the second half of the season, if they get Saquon back, Kenny Gowdy back, and, and Tadarius back, because Tadarius, obviously, they could not cover him in the first series. And if he stayed in for the game, it may have been a closer game. They haven't had anybody healthy. That's what I'm saying. That, that, I'm, I love the Giants. And I didn't stop looking at the game last yesterday. I love the game. I, I love the team. I'm just saying, when they get people healthy, I think things will change. Because I love Joe Judge. He does a great job. I love his coaching mentality. And they just need people healthy. And I think fans will kind of see a different team if no, Pete, everyone's look, healthy. Pete, look, we, we, I, I, I don't mean to speak for Lance and Paul here, but I, I think if all three of us are told that this offense is healthy and at full strength, I think all three of us think they're going to score points. Right, guys? Is that fair? Yes. Sure. And, 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 and make, that. Absolutely. That yesterday, the defense gave them three opportunities at the beginning of the game, correct? Two. Right. If, if we had everyone healthy, the Rams would have been playing comeback. Yeah, well, I mean, that may be taking it a little too far, Pete. I mean, well, I, I, even, even I if the Rams were playing comeback, <laughs> don't you think they have enough I'm firepower to do what's necessary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I just, just very yeah, quickly, um, at one point the Rams scored touchdowns on four or five drives, and they scored on six of seven drives. So, you know, and Pete, that, that, that's the thing to me. The, I, I, agree, I think your points on the offense are well-founded. I think they're 1,000% on the money. No disagreements. But even if all those guys are healthy on offense, if the Rams didn't take their foot off the pedal, they could have put up 50 in this game if they wanted to. No doubt. No doubt. You're absolutely right. You have to get stops at some point. You have to get stops. I mean, remember, John Wolford came into this game with 10 minutes and change left to the fourth quarter. Okay? You know, let's not forget about that. I know. I mean, I'm just – I'm looking at what the defense is trying to help the offense do, and I think if the offense can – complimentary play football, I think it's a different type. You know, then now the defense, hey, we're, we're, we're playing ahead. Let's keep it going. That's, that's how Look, I see I'll it. I'll say know? one thing to you now because we hear I had you. preached it all week and it's against my nature, but I thought the best game plan was to throw the ball and even use the short passing game as a pseudo run. Exactly. And I think you would agree with me in the first quarter, totally. the Giants offense on their first two drives moved the ball well. They only got three points out of it, which is, to me, that's the crime. You know, I'm not going to come here and say, okay, if the Giants had scored that opening drive touchdown and maybe got another scoring drive before the Rams had put points on the board, that a two-score lead is going to solidify the Giants' positioning and they'll probably win the game. I'm not going to go that far. Please, don't, 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 don't say that I did. But what I, what I did say going in is that if they used the passing game as the primary weapon to move the ball downfield, that they would have a puncher's chance. And it was their only chance, in my opinion, if they were maximum efficiency in the passing game, they could mm-hmm. potentially keep up with the Rams and give them a game and maybe steal it. 
I, I, I absolutely said that last week. And what happened? Their, their offense absolutely didn't do anything near like what they needed to do. I heard you in the pregame say short passing, and, and the Rams were playing soft. They were playing too deep safety. They were playing off. I'm like, that's, and Daniel, it seemed like that's what they were doing. Hey, I had a we huge had a smile on my face at the end of the first quarter. Exactly. Trust me. I was exactly. like, you know, they're getting it. This, this, is, this is the kind of thing that's got to happen if they're going to have a puncher's chance. I Honestly, I yep. felt that way. I said, man, if they can keep this going the rest of the day, they've got a chance to win this game. I know. I think, and, and, and Pete, thanks a lot for the call. We appreciate it. I think the problem you ran into a little bit, Paul, with that as you moved along here, and again, there's no way if you don't anticipate this before the game in terms of what your strategy was, which I think wasn't wrong, that you know we saw a couple short passes where him and Dante Pettis weren't exactly on the same page. You know, Pettis looked like he turned inside. Jones threw it outside. I remember. You know, yeah. you know, two of those on third downs, if I'm not mistaken. I had to look at my play-by-play and yeah, find them. Yeah, uh, there I were definitely two of them on third downs. Right? And, yep. so, and, and those are third and shorts, right, or, or third and medium. So it, when you start losing guys, you start having small issues like that too where it makes it more difficult to have a short, consistent passing game because Jones isn't throwing to familiar receivers to be efficient enough to make a game plan like that you work. Know what, though, and, and by the way, throw on top of it the fact that you couldn't protect well enough, and you have two problems there. The pro- well, the yeah, but the, but the, the bigger issue passes. is the alternative is try to run the ball. Oh, no. no Paul, that wasn't going to happen. I don't well, disagree. I don't disagree. And by the know. way, Aaron Donald, by the way, I watched it. You don't, I didn't notice it as much watching it live. You watch the tape on this game. My gosh. That guy single-handedly blew up like a half dozen giant running plays where they're trying to run it and they just can't because he beats the guy and he's just literally standing there waiting for the running back. It was amazing to watch. There was a play where he split two Giants yep. offensive linemen. Yep. He just literally walked right through that. Yes. I mean, that's Aaron Donald for you, ladies and gentlemen. He's going that's to the Canton. uniqueness of, yes, he Donald. What I, was, what I was going to add to what Paul was talking about also, the way that this game played out, Paul, I mean, they had to abandon the run. You're down 28-3 to at the half. There's not really favorable situations to be running the football in the second half anyway. So, I mean, unfortunately, the game situation, the way that played out, pretty much made the offense one-dimensional. Daniel Jones threw the ball 51 times in this game. That was a career high, and he completed 29 of them. That was also a career high. Something tells me... Even if your offense is clicking a little bit, I don't think Jason Garrett and company anticipated that they would want Daniel Jones to set career highs in both of those categories going into this game. I think they did anticipate that they would hope the game to be a little bit closer so that they didn't necessarily have to completely abandon the run. Well, I like I said, I went into this game saying the Giants needed to throw the ball 45 times and, and use the short pass as a pseudo-run, and I had no problem with the way they moved the ball on their first two possessions in the first quarter. And really, you know, when you talk about being self-destructive and how it piles on, John, uh, go back to their second possession of the second quarter. It was 7-3 to three after uh, the uh, Woods touchdown. Giants are down by four points, and they start the, the, the ball at their own 25. And what happens? You get a third and four full start. Yeah. against Will Hernandez, which Negative is then play. followed up by the strip sack. So you got a a, a, a a penalty that creates that third and long that Lance loves to talk about, right? Third and nine, all of a sudden, that's a hell of a lot different than third and four, and it leads to the Rams strip sack. And by the way— And that's when the water really started to get into the boat. Do you know who caused the false start on that? 
Aaron Donald was lined up right over Will Hernandez. Yes, he was. He did a little bit of a twitch. Yep. And Hernandez was like, oh, crap. And he full started. I mean, that's he what I think. He might have used right? another word, John. Well, he might have, yes. He might have yeah. used another word. That's true. But that's exactly what happened. And by the yeah. way, yeah. Um, the first Jones strip sack, that's coming from the front side. And he held the ball a little bit. I think he needs to see that one coming. I'll put that one on Daniel yes. a little bit. The second one, no. The second one, Parrott almost had a no-hitter. And he mm-hmm. was literally starting to wind up to throw. Correct. As the hit came, I can't put that one on the quarterback. I totally agree. That's I And again, I grade fumbles. And and my issue is more with the first one. The second one, I really am not pinning on Jones. Yeah, and 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 by the way, I will just glance real quick. The the two interceptions were the one that where Shepard fell. You can't do anything. You Correct. Know, whatever, two of the three, fine. I think you could say the decision making wasn't ideal. Yes, uh, not all three, but yeah. Two of them. And I think he did yeah. lock on onto his two receivers on the two picks. Taylor Ratman and really nice play on the first one. You know. Based on scheme, he was supposed to carry the shallow crosser across the field, but he kind of read what Jones was thinking and then broke off of that and cut in front of Ingram. And then on the other play, he had underneath zone and he read the quarterback's eyes and he made the play. So, yep. what I was going to add, Go ahead, when, I'm sorry. No, when Paul, when you were talking about the third and longs, they had seven for nine yards or more that they faced, including they had a third and 15, a third and 18, and a third and 19. You know how many of those seven they converted yesterday? One. Mm-hmm. That's it. They were one mm-hmm. for seven on downs well, of was nine the first yards one, or more. Right? The Tony. The third down. Correct. The Tony yeah. one. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It, they had one. The third and 15 was to Pettis. He picked up Just 14 short. yards. And Just by the short. way, not one yard for nothing, shy. I watched yeah. a replay of that, of, of that play. He's got to get that ball across that line. He caught that. He has like seven yards between him and the line of scrimmage. He's got three yards on the defender. He, he, I, if you rewatch that play, Paul, when you have a chance, he's got to figure out a way to get the ball across that line. There was yeah. so much room. He's got to. Oh, man. 201-939-4513. The Paul DeTito sound effects today have been just tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. Mike in Virginia, he's up next. Mike, what's up? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Good afternoon. What's up? Hi. Um, the frustrating just continues to mount, fellas, week after week, man. I, I, what I what I don't really understand is we owe, for the past, say, about what, five years, honestly, we have had some good talent, and we just cannot win. I, I We just cannot win. What's going on with Ingram? I get, like, full strength, I do believe we have a good offense, but... There should be some players that should be able to pick up some of the slack. And Evan Ingram, as athletic as he is, for some reason we can't seem to get him the ball. But at least whatever happens, we were running seam routes with some of the slowest tight ends when Eli was there. Now we got this guy that's a burner as a tight end, and we can't get him, we can't even try to get him the ball. Jason Garrett would force feed uh, Witten. But for some reason, they got Ingram running quick outs, comebacks. I mean, we all we heard throughout the summer in training camp of, is how Evan Ingram is looking like a monster. And then season comes out, and the man has what maybe ten catches on the year, if that. Well, I mean, he, he missed the first. He missed the first few games yeah, with an injury hurt. too. Right, 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 right. I get that. I get that. But okay, he's been playing what the past three games. Yeah, three games, I believe. Where, I believe where is right. his, his productivity? Where, where is this at? A first-round pick? And he's, he, 
then it's like they're not even looking his way. They're not John, let me let me let me help out here. Call, caller, let, let me say let me say something yeah. before you pick on on the player. Go ahead, Paul. You know. The Giants had a couple of guys who were not exactly speed demons at tight end, and Jake Ballard and Kevin Boss some years ago. I don't know if you were a fan that long enough to remember those guys, but they're not going back too far. Okay? And if you remember, okay, even those guys, even those guys used to run the Mark Bavaro seam route that Phil Sims used to make a living on back in the 80s. Right. For some reason... The Giants basically, and, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to be funny here, they seem to have taken that chapter of their playbook since the Boss Ballard days and thrown it in the mm-hmm. fireplace and burned it. I, I, I'm being funny, but what I'm telling you no, is right. the tight you're end right. seam route seems to have disappeared from the Giants' repertoire. So I don't want to blame Evan Ingram or Kyle Rudolph or any other tight end that's played here over the course of the last 10 years and say, well, why aren't they running that route, or why aren't they making those plays? That play, which in years past had been a great weapon for the Giants, just like the back shoulder throw, two of my favorite routes that were successful during the Giants' glory days, um, don't, don't seem to be relied on very much, if at all, uh, over the course of the last several years, and that's through a several offensive play callers. Which, by the way, Paul, is odd, right. because if you go back to even at any time that Garrett was with Dallas, I mean, how, how many times did they throw the back shoulder throw to Des Bryant when I, he was uh, their head coach? I, that's what I, I, that's even, what I'm, even I'm puzzled. With, without, without the back shoulder, I'm just talking about the athletic animal you have at tight end, and they're just not using him. And... Uh, I got a feeling that, you know, I mean, they, this is his last year, correct, on the team? The last year of his contract. Yeah, this, this was the fifth-year option. Yeah, I, I got a feeling he's going to go somewhere else and just become a monster. Yes, he has his issues with drops. I mean, but I think they're going to use him correctly. And that's what frustrates me the most. They're not using these people correctly. And I, I don't get it with Jason Garrett with not using him. It's like you, you have to, for, for Jason Garrett, it's, it, it took somebody getting hurt for them to see what Tony can do. No, 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 no. That's not true. Yeah, dude. you can't say that. That's not true. Do you know how many practices? Okay. Do you know how many practices Kadarius Tony had before the season started? No, yeah, no, he he, he missed a lot. I do know that. No, he everything, dude. No, literally, I'm I'm being literal mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. He literally practiced okay. three times right. in the spring and summer before the season started. Three times. That's just not okay. enough. He was also working his way back from COVID. Let's not forget about that. And- too. COVID. And the hamstring injury, both. Right. So, but COVID too. I mean, it, like he got no work, and he was dealing with COVID. If you remember, what was it? Blake Martinez had COVID last year, and they didn't yes. just throw him back in pads immediately when he came back. It took him, you know, some time to get back into Look shape. Look how much time it right. took Will, uh, Will Hernandez. Will to Hernandez get back is another guy, correct? Yeah, exactly. Hey. Yeah. We got to run. I have one more call I want to get to, you guys. I didn't realize it was 134. That's my bad. It's not I, Charlie, I, I, is it? No, it is not. Oh, thank um, God. We had him on the line. We lost him. I don't know what happened. Um, let's go to Fred in Massachusetts. He'll wrap us up. Fred, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? What's Hi. going on? You know, I'm, I'm going on. I'm doing all right. You know, it's tough losing. I'm a first-time season ticket holder, and it's, it's been tough, man. You know, I just see a lot of softness going on from this offensive group. You know, like these guys have hamstring issues, Slayton. You know, Evan Ingram, Shepard, it's like 
really for a hamstring, like you guys got to get on the field. We can't we can't beat these high power well, teams. Dude, dude, hamstrings for wide receivers. I mean, you literally can't run and play the position. It's hard. Right. Okay, but give me sixty percent of of you. You don't want I mean, a receiver running a... half speed out there, man. He can't get open if he's running half speed. Okay, but now now we're getting Kadarius Tony. He, he's getting more usage now. More wear and tear. He's getting hurt. Saquon just just dropped right now. Sixty percent of your best players is better than CJ Board. These guys, uh, Colin Johnson. We, we're not gonna we're not gonna beat a team like the Rams with these guys. Like these guys got to play. It goes back to like the the hard knocks when uh, Jarvis Landry said and Antro Roll when uh, the 2011 Giants when they're like, oh, we got people sitting in the sideline. We we, we can't. We're not gonna win. This is the NFL. We're not gonna win one game like that. And, and that's where it starts. Okay. That remember though, er, most coaches that I know will say, hey, I need you to play for me if you're hurt, but if you're injured, that's a different story. Because now you put that guy out there, and you're going to use the, the, the mathematical number of 60%. You put a superstar out there at 60%, chances are he's going to wind up getting hurt a whole lot worse, and you're going to lose him for three months. Yeah. That's just sure. not yeah. good math. Okay. Oh, right Right now we don't even have three months. We're, we're, we're in October, and we're talking about the draft already. So what, what what does that add up? If we don't make the playoffs in a couple of weeks, then sit them down for the rest of the year. Okay, but what, we'll... there's also there's also thinking about the well-being of your player. How selfish is that for an organization to force a guy out there when he's not rehabbed correctly from an injury and say, okay, we willingly know that if you go out there, you're going to hurt yourself a whole lot worse, and it could have implications for you down the line. What what would you think about an organization that did that? And by the way, if we're talking about an NFC title game or a Super Bowl, and you want to just you know roll them out there, the, I the, get the it. The bar you can't might do be it a tad lower. There is no tomorrow. No, after right. correct. Yeah. Yeah. The but bar no, might be I, a tad I, I lower. I get it. You're right. I mean, I get it. I mean, we had Strahan out there in the past, going out there with a coin, and I that's more troublesome to me than a hamstring. You know, every and, player uh, is built different too. Do I not, think you got to understand that. Dude, yeah. I, I, you're have, throwing you, out guys that also played quite some time ago have you ever tried to change have you ever tried like personally have you ever tried to run with a hamstring injury yeah yeah it's tough it's tough no no it's not tough it is impossible impossible, right so i mean if you can't run full speed as a wide receiver how are you helping your team win yeah, I mean, that's true but three weeks i mean slayton's been out three weeks man yeah well shepherd came back though Shepard was out two yeah. games. And Kenny Peppers Galladay is not one. dealing with a hamstring injury. It's completely different. And Peppers just missed one game right. with a hamstring. Yeah. Peppers, just, that's what I said. Every player is different. You can't throw everybody under the same umbrella. And by the way, Ingram only missed two weeks with the calf, by the way. It wasn't three. It was two. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I want to touch on, on Jason Garrett, too. What's up with the play calling? We played Washington. The offense looked great. Almost scored 30 points. Running the RPOs. Getting the ball out Danny Jones' hands quick. Then the next week, it's like it, it's, like it's a different guy out there. You, it's like stick to what works. You know, Jones is a weapon. You didn't Keep like the Giants' game plan up. against the Saints when they put up a 30 spot on them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was good. I, I mean, I think those two, but besides that, how about the game plan, you know? I mean, I know versus the Cowboys he was hurt, but yesterday it was, it was awful. Denver, it was awful. You know, it's like, you realize they had... we're, we're probably the fastest team in the league. The Giants have... Wait, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. So time out, time out. So yesterday, after you don't have Kenny Galladay, you don't have Darius Slayton, Tony leaves with an injury, you don't have Saquon Barkley, the Giants with the players they had on the field yesterday 
are one of the fastest teams in the league. You're really no, sticking no, no. with that argument. Pre, pre, no, no, not yesterday. Not yesterday. Yesterday, they had no chance yesterday. The Rams are, are going to be an okay. NFC championship team. Well, they, pre, you, pre, but you pre then, then a minute ago when you criticized thank his you play for the calling call. yesterday, yeah, you, you got to take that your own back. question. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. And, yes, they did not move the ball well against Denver. They should have scored more against Atlanta. But Saints was excellent. Washington was excellent. And they moved the ball against Dallas, too, right? They just yeah. didn't. Then the quarterback goes out. I mean, what, and they didn't finish drives too right. in some of these games. Yeah. They moved the ball, but they didn't finish drives. So you know, it's not like they can't move the ball. It's just they can't put points on the board to complement the yardage. Yeah, I mean, going into this game this week, I looked it up, and for the fans that aren't familiar with it, I know we got to wrap. I'm killing Pierce, and I'm killing you guys. I know, but if you like, for the fans that are familiar with it, DVOA, it's basically like a super advanced offensive efficiency metric, and it puts everything together. You know, based on play situation. So if it's a blowout, they kind of take those yards out because it's garbage time and all that stuff. And they just measure offensive efficiency, right? So heading into, I believe it was the game this week against the Rams. It might have been last week against Dallas. I don't remember. I got to double check it. They were ranked 12th in the league in that metric. 12th. If you would have told me heading into this year that the Giants had the 12th ranked offense in the league, wouldn't you have signed on the dotted line like yesterday? I certainly would have. Mm-hmm. Lance, 12th? Yeah, sure. I'll take 12th. They were 31st last year. 31st. That's a- I would. I, is, does that take into consideration points, though, too? Yeah, yeah sure it does. Sure configuration? It does. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 No, Red, I'm just yeah. curious to make Red zone Because, I mean, sure. sometimes yeah. these are extremely convoluted oh, no. algorithms that they're putting together. That's why. It is absolutely yeah. convoluted. But, yes, whether yeah. or not you get touchdowns or field goals certainly is, is fair. Okay, because that, that, to me, yep. is the biggest indicator, more so than anything else you do on offense. No, 100%. Yeah. And, look, I, look, Joe Judge, we talked about it all year on the show. that You know, you have to do better on the red zone if you want to get in games. Anyway. All right, Lance and Fiegels will be with you tomorrow. I'm Depending on our shoot schedule for TV, I might pop in too. We'll see. Everybody, good job on the calls. Paul Lance, appreciate it as always. And, guys, I know we're late. We'll, we'll catch you on BBK tomorrow uh, at 1230 on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. We'll see you then.